I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more questions you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gents, episode number 34. Today, we have an awesome episode. My good friend, Sharon Rolf, is joining us, and she is a sight for sore eyes. I have been sick. We have had to reschedule. It has been quite a pain, but I'm feeling good now. She's ready to go. I'm ready to go. This is very exciting. Um, last week's episode went really good. If you guys haven't seen it yet, it was Martin Salama, and he is an awesome life coach. We had a really good conversation, so if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. And just learn the things that he had. He had a sweet, sweet story, and so you'll really enjoy that. Um, as far as cool news, if you guys want to find a quick little article for myself, I just barely got published in Voyage Utah Magazine, and they just barely sent me an email today. So, Sharon, you're hearing about this as well, just when everybody else is, because I just barely got the notification this morning that it had been published. So I'll toss a link out for everybody, but how exciting, super fun. Um, it just is a little background of me and talking about the podcast. So really exciting. And Voyage Utah is a cool, cool company, and they're just trying to help people in Utah spread their message and what they got going on. So very, very cool. Um, let's jump right into it, however. Everybody, this is Sharon Rolf. She is awesome, and she is known as the Queen of Courage, and she is a Boomer's Life Coach with with a Purpose Movement series. Um, she started an awesome company, and she is working on helping people who are retired live a life of fulfillment, happiness, even after their career. Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Monson. I think this is going to be good. I um, I like to have fun a little bit, so um, <laughs> this is kind of a fun. And then the other side of it, I'm making a marvelous transition into retirement, and I do have a book there. Yes. Uh, I make the art blocks, and so it's featured on the cover of my book. But uh, the moment you realize you're getting old, is <laughs> kind of a shock sometimes. And, you know, I haven't talked about myself getting old hardly ever, Yeah. but I'm 75 and I brag about it. Hey, 75 is a good year. <laughs> so I'm um, in a process of creating a course. And um, so let me just say something about that. My course teaches lonely and empty retirees to feel whole, genuine, mm. and energized by accept, at accessing their deep inner wisdom to find an intrinsic motivation and purpose. So uh, purpose helps us to live longer, healthier, and with meaning. Yes, wonderful. So cool, so cool. Um, so I would love to be able to dive in a little bit on your experience how you came to do that and what made you want to do that. We had a brief conversation about it and I got to know some really, really cool things about you. And so just for the audience, I want them to know what got you started on, on that path. Usually people, well, actually the number one entrepreneurs in the world are actually, are actually retired and just cause they have more time. But for yourself, you're like, I want to, you know, some people are, I'm just going to relax, be old, and take my time. What made you want to do what you do? Well, two or three reasons, but uh, it makes me think of the myth that went around Boeing when I was working there that they said, you know, people um, kind of put off retiring because the myth is you die within three years. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I That just hurt. And um, it goes back to back basically when I was a teenager, I, I had this awesome, uh, you know, considering people's potential. You know, at the time it was considering what's, what's my potential. But um, as I went through my career, I was also interested in other people's potential. Not that it fit in with my, my career that much, but I did. It's probably 
uh, significant that I did go into behavioral science uh, area. And, um, you know, a lot of behavioral scientists work with people with addictions. And I, I didn't want to work with those people. I wanted to work with people that wanted to be, uh, develop all that they could be. Mm. And, uh, yeah, addicts need to start at some level of improving life. But um, I didn't want to start at the bottom <laughs> wanted to yeah. start you know more in the in the middle so um but the other thing is that when you don't have a business card anymore and i'm looking for my business card <laughs> um perfect people often you know this this describes who they are to them this is their identity and one of the first lessons i learned with working with people is that um, this lady was so offended that she's walking along with her daughter and her daughter is commenting as if her mother wasn't even there. Mm. That without a job, she was invisible. Mm. And it hurt this lady so much because she was kind of one of these people a little bit forced out the door uh, about the time the pandemic hit because she had been sick the year before and she was working in emergency hospital room, uh, I think the second or third shift. And, and so they wanted to protect her, you know, so they, why, why don't you go, you know, uh, go ahead and retire. And she had loved her job. Mm-hmm. And so without this, this card that defined us, we're now lost to who are we? And uh, that's that fits in with behavioral science because um, there's a whole emotional side to no longer having a team to work with. You know that kind of makes you feel lost. No longer having a task to do, which you know usually accomplishing something feels pretty good, and not having a title and um, we're, they people are often lost. And hmm. I I think it's I. I desperately want the world to know there's a way to find a new purpose and um it's actually partly connected with what's inside of us you know what makes our hearts sing what matters to us what's our values and nobody talks about values but when we align our decisions with our values um it gives more peace and joy oftentimes we're diverting off of what our values are because What's our values anyway? Mm. (laughs) You know, and that whole reflection is kind of missing a lot in our culture, Monson. And um, I want to help people have joy and um, be their best in retirement. And like you say, uh, many of them are starting companies and and doing exceedingly well in retirement. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. I, I think it's really cool that all of this came to your mind and you're kind of like, Hey, I'm not I'm not dying three years after retirement, but I'm doing something. And I yeah, I'm headed for a hundred. <laughs> you better be. Because I told you if you make it to a hundred, I'm coming to a hundred next. Okay, that, okay. That's the goal. When I was young, believe it or not, I used to say sixty was good for me. <laughs> but that's when I was like, sixty's so far away, I don't even need to worry about it. But then I realized oh time goes by pretty quickly. <laughs> So 100, 100 is where my goal is set. But um, so typically whenever someone does something similar to what you're doing, where someone wants to dive into people's potential and help people to live a more fulfilling life, no matter what, they're, what stage they're at in life, typically they're driven by something that's both from within and from derives from trauma or trials. And so what, what kind of has driven you to do that other than just I know you desire other people to live a good life, but you personally, there's obviously something inside of you that's helped you be like, I want to do something for people. What is that? Yeah. Um, this thing about feeling invisible, I, you know, sometimes we make decisions in life that are kind of subconscious. They're, they're kind of are hidden, um, maybe a vow to ourselves, but I, I was purposely, wanting to be invisible hmm. in our home from a very young age because that I figured would be safe or at least hmm. safer um, there was sexual abuse in our home for years my older sister did have a baby by my dad hmm. 
Mm. And um, so I often said, thank heavens he keeps his hands off me. But there's still, you know, young kids need to be affirmed from their parents. And I was never close to my dad. Um, and that it wasn't until I went into coaching school that I that I um, started bubbling up. In fact, the first day they, I told them I was going to wear this hat to a party. And uh, I'm putting on this fancy hat <laughs> <laughs> that I... Um, my friend was having a birthday party, and for some reason I got the nerve to email her and tell her I, was, I would probably be wearing a hat to her party. And she said, well, you'll probably be the only one besides my sister, maybe. Mm. <laughs> or, or anyway, but my class actually asked me to bring my hat in. And instead of just bringing in the next day one hat, I brought in like six of them. <laughs> and and um, I think that's where that subconscious of a desire to be seen was starting to bubble up. And about mm. six months later, well, maybe a year later, I came back from one of our lunch breaks um, back to class, and I slapped the table and stomped my foot and said, it's not okay to be invisible. I sh shocked myself. Where did <laughs> that come from? You know, that's that bubbling up of this new awareness. And, yeah. Um, but... Um, I, I just been working on a class assignment for um, where did this start from and I and I in my story I was I was recalling all the decisions I'd made that took courage and um, and that led into eventually becoming the queen of courage on Instagram mm. and um, I actually have created a, a free ebook called a uh, call to courage because um, I did some podcasting actually um, about th four years ago and I looked around I almost asked eight or ten people who could be a guest on my show for for talking on courage I was shocked at how nobody knew anybody that could talk on courage and the man that was finally recommended to me was a, both a a PhD and a theologian and he had some really good comments about courage and he had done a vast variety of activities through his life that he just he kept doing new things because he knew he could yeah. <laughs> and he didn't let anything stop him and I make these little art blocks and uh, one of them uh, I made was um, you decide who stops you. <laughs> but mm. this is one of my favorite too. Worry is a misuse of imagination. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be uh, spending time thinking, think of the future, not the past, yeah. or what you don't want. So, um, so yeah, courage is um, something we all need more of, and especially the last two three years. And I. Am stepping up the plate and encouraging you to live from. Okay, so let's a real simple formula. Let's see if yeah. I have it here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, here it is. Is take what you love to do and add to that your hot buttons and your personal qualities, your aspirations, and. We're going to light your fire. Where's the spark inside your heart? But mm. along with that, just because you retire doesn't mean you your education is all washed up. You still have your edu education. You still have all those colleagues and teammates that you've met throughout the years. That's part of your network. You still have um, your talent and um uh, expertise, you know, maybe you were a dynamite trombone player in high school, or a mm. debater that could win all the cuts. Well, that's still you. That hasn't evaporated. Uh, but we we don't often think of how could those things be re-engineered and applied to something new in the future. Mm. I like that a lot. And so your whole thing is to help people. To do that, you're helping them to kind of re-engineer what they've been doing and applying it to where they're at in life. Yeah, and 
Um, this process was one of the first things we learned in coaching school, and it was um, it was called then essence and essence kind of one of those words that just goes over people's heads. So I decided to call it um, your inner spark because there is a intrinsic motivation we have inside mm. that we often don't call on um, when when you get real quiet and um, just try to quiet your mind there is a still small voice inside that will talk to us mm. and um, that's probably close to where your inner spark is you know maybe you've been on vacation and you know at the ocean or the campsite watching the fire uh, pit or uh, maybe seeing a beautiful scenery that you've climbed up to and there'll be a little spark you know a little voice that talks to you or or sends you a message and um, that's that's priceless and yet do we listen to it or do we oh no no that no give me 10 years i'll get there Hmm. but the the main key i would say to that still small voice is respond in some way that um you know you grab hold of it so my spark uh when i did this in class is i am precious jewel of wisdom I am colorful collaborator, motivator, and learner. I am tranquil, authentic, and pure inspirer. I light fires. I'm here today to light your fire Hmm. and express what's in your soul, your GPS, your spirit. And um, the world needs you, and I can help you get there. Wow, I really, really like that. It's true. There, there's something inside of all of us that kind of beckons us to do some specific things, and I, I like that you reference a still small voice. I obviously believe in God, and so I think of you know Him, His Spirit speaking to me and telling me, "Hey, you can do A, B, and C," but the listening is the hard part. What do you say to people who have troubles discerning that feeling and those those thoughts that come to their mind, that little voice, and their own thoughts where people are like, oh, well, maybe that's not like this grand thing, but it's just my own thoughts running wild. What do you say to that? How do you help them to see, now this is something that you should listen to and actually pay attention to? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the aspect of courage. You know, what if you were to act as if it was more knowledgeable, more intelligent than you are. Mm. And yes, it may take a lot of courage. And, um, <clears throat> but that not only listen, but also act as if, acknowledge it. You know, there's, I don't know if you ever talk about honoring yourself, Monson. Do you ever mm. talk about that? <clears throat> um, honoring your taste your um choices um like things like you like to eat but honoring your spirit is i think kind of connected to um acknowledging that small voice and at least saying i hear you Hmm. and the decision to to um implement you know it will stop talking to you if you stop listening Wow. Oh, I know when I was writing my book, there was uh, at least three times I recall needing an answer to something. Like I I needed a tagline. What should my tagline be? And um, in doing the podcast, I remember there was a time or two when I I just uh, sat on my couch here and kind of like, what could be the answer? And I let, I invited that still small voice to talk to me. Hmm. So that's a way of honoring trusting and respecting the the message and the messenger too Hmm. i really really like it i think i think it's very important because i mean when you watch something motivational or something inspiring all of a sudden you get thoughts and ideas that come to your mind that are 
usually something that you can change where you're like, oh, I should start doing this, I should wake up earlier, I should uh, get these tasks done, so on and so forth. We start having these things come to our mind, and some people just think that that's just thought, but it's like, no, that's that's some other voice speaking to you, letting you know what you can do, and if you actually listen to it, and if you actually follow through on those things, you'll be able to make changes. I know that people listening right now to this and hearing what we're saying, they're probably getting these feelings right now and these thoughts of, hey, I can do this or what should I do to find that voice or A, B, and C. And if you actually pause or quiet and still enough to listen to it, then it can be so beneficial to you. I think that's where most grand ideas come from. I mean, what you're doing right now, this, this is where it comes from is this small inside pull, you know, something that has brought you to be where you're at today. Yeah, I'm starting to correlate it, Monson, to mental strength. Hmm. So uh, I, shortly after I retired, I participated in a webinar in uh, the UK by Andy Shaw on how to have mental strength. Hmm. And I only listened to the first day, but he had five or six days um a presentation because it didn't fit with the rest of my schedule. But that first day, his his example was, if you're <clears throat> facing a meeting or a discussion, you know, having to a um, person you're and you're going to meet and you don't know how it's going to go, you're kind of tense and. Uh, um, he said, "Well, first, recall a warm memory." Hmm. Hold it in your mind for 15 seconds, and then go into your meeting, and it'll go so much better. And his example was he had always wanted to live, uh, 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 learn to fly an airplane. So the picture he showed us that day was uh, of his son sitting in the back seat, and he was giving his his son a flight, uh, a ride in an airplane he was flying. That gave him so much of a warm memory. And um, the next day when I went to, because I would log in and at least get his notes and then save them in a file. And the next day he covered, well, imagine the sights and sounds and what led up to that and savor it with all the details. Well, by the time I looked at the notes from the last um, presentation he gave, he said, if you control your thoughts, you can control your life. Wow. So... When you honor your thoughts by controlling them and respecting um, that your mind is dwelling on good things instead of anxious kind of things, then you can control your life. And he had been quite successful um, in his early career, and, and all of a sudden a whole bunch of bad things were happening to him. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I need to get back to controlling my thoughts and I can control my life. So um, that's where this worry kind of is a misuse of imagination fits in very nicely is that um, I when I transferred to Tampa, Florida and only knew like three, four people there that I would see every month or two, <laughs> I I stomped my foot and refused to live my life based on fear. And mm. I had was using looking at the scriptures in Joshua one and two about do not be afraid, be of good courage, be of great courage. So that um, that is a very strong. Uh, advice to following your that still small voice is recognizing that that is that is premium information not garbage at all because if god made us then god put a design inside of us and that gps or dna needs to be explored and i'm here to help you wow that's really really good i love being able to take the uh, scriptures apply them into certain situations and aspects and I know there's not everybody listening that's religious but this can apply in, in so many different ways it's not only a religious standpoint but it's just it's just spirituality it's understanding you know that there's a grander scheme of things in life that we learn from and we apply them to our situation for me as of recent 
my favorite scripture. I got it written down on a sticky note here on my computer. But um, <laughs> this one you reminded me of, and I think it applies to our conversation. But it's take, therefore, no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I think that kind of goes in, and that's Matthew 6.34, if anybody's wondering. But, um, and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying as far as controlling our thoughts, listening to that inner voice. Because if we're so caught up in thoughts and fears and anxieties and the, what's going to happen tomorrow, what if this happens, the what if, you know, if we go through our what if syndrome, then we're not going to be able to see what's going on right now and what is helping us right now. What are, what are we going to be able to do now to, you know, change tomorrow? And my favorite is the last line, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I kind of interpret it myself and I say, you know, there's enough crap going on today that I don't need to worry about the crap going on tomorrow. This is sufficient. This is enough. <laughs> so let's just take it step by step and then move forward. So let me ask you, Sharon, these things that you're teaching to me and I think to people similar to myself and similar to yourself, these things make perfect sense and it inspires me and excites me. And I'm like, yeah, I, I want to, you know, do all the stuff and I want you to help me make changes in my life and live a more fulfilling life in your position it ha i assume i'm just going to assume that it's a little bit more difficult because you're working with people who have been somewhat set in their ways for i mean they're they're retired so at least 60 65 years they've been set in their ways doing one thing how how do you find a way to help them make that change because it's hard to teach old dog's tricks <laughs> and so how do you find a way to help them change that mindset and and live live more well um it takes a lot of courage to mm. dream and have desires and the uh you know when i was starting my career you pay you know your goal was to pay for the roof over your head and get yourself a car and uh, maybe or maybe not you got some education um, I'm so grateful that I've been a lifelong learner but so mm. I've invested a lot in my education um, but life does lull us into a monotonous rhythm you know and and we forget that we can hope and dream and think of possibilities I, I love the book called The Art of Possibility by Rosamond Zander. Her husband is a, was, I think he's retired now, uh, many years a conductor of the Boston Philharmonic. And uh, when I got that, The Art of Possibility, I actually got the audio version. And some clips of him with his Boston Symphony was in part of the audio book. Oh, I loved it. Hmm. But... Um, I think it was through her book that I started recognizing that when you allow your mind and heart to think of the possibilities, you're inviting God into your formula or your plans or whatever. Curiosity is another word that's very similar to that. Um, and I've now recognized that hope and courage and possibilities um, and curiosity are spiritual kinds of words. Mm -hmm. And um, it kind of opens us up to maybe we don't know all there is or what's all possible. And um, I, I, in my process of teaching people um, about their inner spark, I'm starting to say that there's, in, there's a subconscious in us and I want to make it, um, make you aware of what the good DNA spirit is inside of you and that you intentionally use it to do good. That um, it's, I heard someone just last week, I think, say that, it, that it's becoming critical that you know who you are. And there's nothing out there in the world, you know, not much, that it, they're distracting you from who you are. Mm. I think that's huge. In fact, I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> um, because for, well, for me, that's, that's what I'm going into if, with speaking and with coaching as well, is my purpose 
is for me to specifically start with college students and help them to discover who they are so that they're able to know where and what they're going to be. And I think knowing or having an understanding of yourself and being confident in that, not a blind... Some people are confident. They, they act confident, but it's out of insecurity. When you are just officially confident in who you are, all decisions in life become so much easier to make and, and all trials you go through become so much easier to overcome because you know your position. You know who you are. You know where you stand, all those things. If I'm on a Friday night and I don't get invited to something and I'm just sitting at home by myself, in all honesty, I'm fine. I am totally fine because I am happy with myself and I'm happy to be with myself. And if other opportunities come, obviously they come and you still have fun there too. But just being able to be confident in who you are allows you to live a life that you're meant to live, I think. Yeah, I I had an aha moment like that myself, you know. Sharon, you should be out there, you know, <laughs> socializing on Friday night. And at the time, I was, uh, I had a, a blanket, um, in fact, I used it last night when the power went out. <laughs> I was I was making an af- a wool afghan, and um, I... I was satisfied doing what I was doing. So all those expectations of shit, 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 you know, shut up. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. <laughs> I love that. hundred percent. Yeah. Once you take, I, I learned recently that 90% of the decisions that we make are emotionally based. And so I, I took the time because this is what I'm going to be sharing with people. I, I dive into it. I'm doing a lot of research with it. And I was like, okay, so what applies to us emotionally? And it's, you know, friends, family, colleagues. Um, most part, it's people. It's not so much things, but it's people. And they're tied with our emotions. And so when we go to school, it's like, okay, am I here going to school because my dad wants me to go to school? Or am I doing the things I do in retirement because it's just what I'm expected to do? We tie emotion to these decisions. And that is good to some extent, but without taking a little bit of emotion out of it and looking at the grand scheme of things, we won't be able to formulate an idea that's based off of what we think, but we're just going to be formulating ideas that are based off of what other people think. Yeah, I swear that I had a, uh, at my last job at Boeing, one of my colleagues on our team, I swear he would not answer your question straight on. <laughs> he would try to figure out what did you want to hear mm. like a used car salesman. <laughs> 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 it's like I had no concept of what what he was or who he was. And mm. and okay, not living my life based on fear keeps me young. And mm. this guy, he had at least four critical sicknesses in his life he was dealing with because he wasn't being honestly him Hmm. at least that's my interpretation yeah no i think i think that physical and emotional health have very much a tie together um that's why they have things like the placebo effect where Mm -hmm. you can take a pill that's just sugar but because you took a pill in your mind you're like oh that's good for me and they found in researches that it actually helps even though nothing changed. Um, One time I got a placebo pill, I believe, I did this test for my wisdom teeth. I was getting them removed, and I did this test where they pay you because I didn't have any money. (laughs) And so it was a terrible experience. And then they give you a pill after like four hours, and they give you one of four pills. It's uh, ibuprofen, aspirin, placebo, or this, this drug that they're testing. And I'm pretty positive they gave me the placebo because I paid attention and I did not feel any different. <laughs> but that's just a side story. And uh, that was a terrible, like, 10 hours, and it was pretty miserable. But wisdom teeth are gone. We're healthy now. Anywho, sorry. That's a rant. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But uh, it's really cool. I do think that your health is tied into to, to the way that you feel. And obviously you can't control everything just because you're a positive person. You'll still have sicknesses and illnesses and things. But the way that you think and the way that you articulate things in your mind affect the way that you live. And, and then that you know, already affects the way that your health is. Well, there was another example. Um, I think I was 
23, 24, I was on a second shift job and the flu was going around and I started feeling nauseous and I stomped my foot and said, go bother somebody else. (laughs) And it did. (laughs) That's wild. (laughs) That is so funny. Yeah. And, um, I, I'm so glad I did that because that's the way I've lived my life. Hmm. I just yesterday, in fact, took a, I just took a survey, not a survey, but a personality test that Jordan Peterson put together and it's called, you can find it at understandmyself.com. Um, you have to pay like 10 bucks, but I was, I listen to him all the time and I'm very interested in his thoughts. So I said, okay, let me, let me take it. So I took this, this personality test. And one of the things that he ties in with it is, I'm trying to. Ref- I'm, I'm not going to be able to remember what aspect he got. He breaks it down into ten personality traits, and that's. And then he explains why we do the things we do, right? And one of them talked about how people who are like this, and I was in that category. And it's like people who are like this take less trips to the emergency room, take less trips to doctor visits, and take less medications. And I said, "Wow, that's so funny that that's that that, that was tossed in there because my whole life I've." been the way that I've been and I haven't changed a whole ton other than just, you know, immature behaviors. <laughs> but my whole life I've always had the same mentality and as well I have I mean the doctor was never an option when we were young. My dad we didn't have no money. And so the doctor was just not a thought and so the thought of taking medications for things just didn't even cross my mind. And I really believe that because I had that mindset it has helped me to be healthier and I don't know all the details and all the you know brain stuff behind it that doctors know but I do believe that because it hasn't even been a thought like I don't, I don't need to go to the doctor I don't need to get checked up I don't need to do those things I, I really believe that it has made me very very healthy and I don't get sick often and I'm a very healthy person yeah I I I think there was one year I had like three colds one year and I oh yeah I've heard that that's often a sig- signal that that uh you know there's something more significant wrong but i i don't think i've been sick for like five years mm. so but wow. um the let see i the uh, thought i had though the the okay so purpose oh yeah when so when i get like sometimes I've all, all through my life, I've had various times where I would get really sore throats. Well, now I've started recognizing when a cold might be knocking at the door. Hmm. And I'll actually kind of ask my body or that still small voice, what do I need to do to heal myself? Hmm. I have a self-healing body. Yeah. <laughs> so I might take some emergency or airborne or... Uh, vitamin C or orange juice, but that's where I'm actually kind of, well, let's see, what, what do I need to do here? Like, um, sometimes I'll take magnesium and zinc cause that's good for healing your body. So, um, when you take responsibility, I think it looks pretty good and, <laughs> and, and, and you believe that, um, you've got the resource and the access to that intelligence that um there's no no bother this i'll wake up fine in the morning and i i always do wow that's so cool and i assume that's something pretty big that you hit on because you're working with elderly people and so i assume you're like hey listen (laughs) i know how it feels you're getting older but we can battle it at least a little bit doing these tactics yeah yeah your hearing changes your eyesight changes your um my hair is getting thinner mm. <laughs> so yeah there's the the whole transitions in retirement is significant but i want i want people to understand okay so i get it that people want i've earned this i'm going to sit back and relax it's you know yes yeah. i've done my time of, yeah a certain amount of that is is valid um getting i think they say like 
well, for women, once you have a baby, it takes like three years for your body to get back to where it was. I think in retirement, it may take us three years to get caught up on our sleep. But, um, you know, playing golf 24-7 is not very meaningful. <laughs> you know, and there are, I've said for years, Monson, that I, ha- I have a chair sitting right here. And I said, um, if the best you can do even in retirement, is sitting in that chair 24-7, you still can hear, uh, you can see, you can write, you can talk. Um, There are people that need somebody to listen to them. Hmm. There needs somebody that might be hungry for their wisdom that you've, you know, your stories that you've lived through. Um, And it could feed someone else's spirit and that all those emotions that matter so much um you're not done for unless you decide you are Hmm. i really really like that i i i'm wondering how let's see how i can formulate this because when i look at yourself and i think of okay i want to do something like that when i'm you know of that age and uh, I'm grateful that I've somewhat been blessed with the ability to start while I'm young what is one thing that you would tell young people um, that you wish you would have kind of told yourself as uh, when you were just small Sharon well going back to that potential I I probably skated through life somewhat because I didn't have the courage to live what was in my heart hmm. you know that that feeling invisible and it, it was a very low key I mean it it would take you um, 10 minutes maybe to find out that I really felt invisible um, you know to peel back the onion but um, people often said you've probably seen it that um, have the courage to live from your heart or or from the real yeah, live what's in your heart. And I I didn't have much access to my heart. I'm, I'm so glad that there is starting to be uh, a um, rising up of intergenerational events. Not just Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> but that you intentionally get together to listen to each other. Um, one of the coaches in Boston area, she's created the purpose equation and has a deck of cards uh she calls them the spark cards and it's a way to like go into a nursing home or senior living and sit down and and answer the same question with all you know the various ages and um i know it could probably sounds a lot like uh when i started the meetup group here for baby boomers every week i'd take one question and we all had to answer the same question Hmm. it was amazing what we learned from each other and yet we were pretty much the same age Uh, it did make a difference that some about a third of them were new to the area so they needed new friends but um, the perspective uh, that was shared is just times I'd, I'd leave from the group and say wow I had no idea you know that would come out that's how people shared uh by answering the same question yeah wow i really like that um it's it's just powerful to be able to be in that position and i like that you reference most of your things to that point where you had the courage and you made that switch and you were just like hey i'm just gonna be me i'm gonna live for me and i'm gonna live a life that's been that that's beneficial i think that's really really cool well, and it's tied back to that story I told about recalling a warm memory. Hmm. After uh, about um, the next week, it was about 10 days later, then I said, well, why just have one warm memory? Because at the day that I was in that class, I was recalling a memory from third grade. And um, I thought, well, let's see how many more warm memories I can come up with. Hmm. And... Um, of the list I made, I don't know, 10 or 12 things, half of them were in front of people. Hmm. Had I been in the wrong career, I was already retired. And was I supposed to be in front of people? That was a big aha for me. 
but um, the yeah the the that and that's where I started taking baby steps to act as if maybe that was truth for me. So it was something I learned from having done. It wasn't exactly a profile, but I was curious to say, you know, there was a Toastmasters event that that really tugged at my heart and felt good. And there was, I did a Dale Carnegie course, you know, in front of people. So um, I acted as if, uh, well, and I, I, ha- I did have a profile that come up two, three weeks before this called me an influencer. And I, me, an, an influencer? <laughs> and um, I said, maybe, maybe I'm supposed to go in this direction and honoring that that might be the truth. Mm. I like that a lot. I really like, I really like the, maybe that's what I should do. <laughs> Looking at it from a positive standpoint, rather than what most people do, which is, I shouldn't be, maybe that's just my own thoughts. <laughs> they take the positivity out of it. And you're like, no, usually if a good thought comes to your mind, it's probably a good thought, probably something that you should follow and uh, listen to. I think those things help us live much happier lives when you're walking out the door and all of a sudden you get this memory and it's like, hey, go get your keys. I just think that's, you know, that voice is helping us try to live a better day. So I pause, I go get my keys. I say, oh, I'm so glad I didn't re- forget that because had I walked all the way to my car in the parking lot and then not had my keys, I would have been I would have been pissed off, you know. <laughs> so I'm grateful that I have that, you know, voice to be able to help me live a better life. And if I listen to it, it, it really does help. Um, I really, really like that perspective, and I think you have awesome perspective on a lot of things, Sharon. I think you've learned a lot over the course of your life, both through challenges, trials, and and just lessons overall. You take things and help and apply them into your life, and make you know make a difference. Don't let just life go through you, but you are going through life, right? Yeah, I was uh, having to work on an assignment uh, recently on um, my credibility, why people should listen to me. Yeah. And hey, I, I did one of those recently, too. <laughs> it's tough. I'm like, because I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, it kind of made me recall um, a, a couple times when I felt recovering from the sexual abuse stuff. Um, a couple times I was in church. One, I remember I would give a hug so I'd get a hug. And another time was I felt so fragile inside that uh, I felt if anybody came up behind me and said, boo, I, I would wind up like an eggshell on the floor. Hmm. I, was, I was that fragile. So, and yet, an, uh, a powerful thing that happened just... Um, I think I was within a day or two of moving to Tampa, Florida with my job, and I had um, lunch on a Sunday afternoon with my uncle, and I I told him our family secret. Hmm. And he, he kind of had a hunch something wasn't awry, had gone awry. And outside the restaurant, he gave me a big hug. And I said, this is the real stuff, isn't it? And... Um, Later that week, he died. Wow. He was a trucking accident. He drove a truck down to California um, twice a week. And uh, a windstorm came up and jackknifed his truck, and he was gone. Wow. So the, the preciousness to me that I connected with my uncle, and um, that was a, a healing part of that recovery that was really um, significant. Wow. Wow, that's really, really intense. It's it's pretty amazing that part of your healing was not only a, a good thing, but also a tragedy. Um, and you were able to take both sides of it and kind of overall view it as... A gift. A, a gift, right? Yeah. And I think... Yeah, have you ever seen that movie called Inside Out? <gasps> Disney movie. Amazing! <laughs> yeah, I want to see it again. Great film, great film. And uh, that's what it makes me think of is at the end when they finally realize, oh, no, this experience seemed sad and had aspects of sadness and heartache and and depression involved with it. But when you intertwine the joy of it, 
you realize that emotions aren't meant to just be one or the other, but it's a mix. And we're supposed to have experiences like that, that although it was, you know, ended something in, in something tra like tragic, you were able to take the warmth of it and realize how all of it kind of fit together in your life. And so I really, really, sorry, continue, go. Well, just the whole, we're meant to learn. Hmm what's what's there in this that is meant for good for us to learn from and by yeah as while we're here we have we have to do that we have to otherwise we're going to get caught up in thoughts and fears and doubts and shaming ourselves and shaming our experiences and just being upset at the world really um or upset about a god or something like that yeah um it's a, a term that i found a couple last year in a book they called it being a drifter and mm. drifting is not involved in learning mm. having your own thoughts your own uh, experiences of life drifting is all these distractions that help you not think and yeah. not learn totally mm. I like that a lot and so we're coming up on the time here it has been a great conversation um, and I really appreciate your thoughts and insights. And so I want to ask you one last question. Well, maybe. The, right, as of right now, one last question. <laughs> but <laughs> for you, the title of my podcast is Life Must Goes On, Sharon. And I look at that the way that I do. And I hope everybody kind of has their own aspect of it. For you, what does Life Must Go On mean? Well, if I'm headed to 100, I need to have some really good thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you better have some great thoughts. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm looking for my, my uh, statement. Oh, yeah, here it is. If one has a talent and cannot use it, one has failed. Hmm. A drifter, maybe. If one has a talent and only uses half of it, one has partially failed. If one has a talent and learns somehow to use the whole of it, they have gloriously succeeded and won a satisfaction and triumph few people ever know. Wow. I am here to help you be win a satisfaction and triumph because it will change your life. It will give you better health. It will help you live longer. And you're going to have a meaning and, and fulfillment that you're – neighbor may not ever find yeah wow i really really like that that is a great way to sum everything up um sharon thank you so much for joining today our listeners are really going to enjoy this and i know of specifically two ladies especially that will especially enjoy this and they know who they are i don't even need to say it but um i i really appreciate your thoughts and it looks like you are taking life by the horns and you are just going with it and so i encourage you to keep going on thanks so much for sharing your thoughts today thanks for having me monson bless you of course i'm trying my best i'm a six out of ten in real life but we're, we're working hard <laughs> well thank you sharon and we'll call that a close everybody give this a listen obviously well and it's at the end of the episode so you already listened to it give next week's listen give last week's listen thank you so much and as always Life must go on. Woo! <laughs> oh, let me pause it.